Hello everybody, this is a still a happy dude and where the hell have I been? I have been working and I have a little gift for y'all. Back in September I was planning to make this a YouTube exclusive, however with the feed being as dormant as it is, it's time to upload without any, you know, any hesitation whatsoever. I, like I tried as a New Year's resolution to try to do something once a week, it failed. And I apologize, but we're moving on. Uh, today's interview was done back in September with Greg from Get the Greg Games YouTube channel. He is proficient in all things game grading, and I get to pick his brain for about an hour. And if you want to catch the one hour bullshit post interview session, that is live on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash H2O. Happy dude. And as of this posting, tomorrow at 3 p.m. EST, I will be interviewing from GeForce Boosted, the Halo Championship Series, Overwatch League, you name it, he's probably touched it, Alex Goldenboy Mendez, and I'll be taking questions from chat throughout the, uh, throughout the interview. So jump in the channel at twitch.tv slash happy dude and come be a part of the show. Now, here is the interview I did with Greg. Take care. Yeah, I started watching a bunch of your uh, unboxing videos, and the only thing that I... The only question that I have is, how in the hell... Like, when you cut that PSA-graded card in... <laughs> while, while it was you know, still in its... uh shipping bag like how much like how much did the price get hit for that I, I luckily luckily with that card i was able to clean it up pretty darn good like i don't know if you've ever worked with psa cases but you can kind of use headlight polish cleaner and you can buff it out so it buffed out pretty well not perfect but like you know you got lucky yes <laughs> i got extremely lucky and I mean, I was streaming that whole thing. So as soon as I did it, right, my stomach just dropped. But it's like, I'm on gamma right now. So I mean, let's try to let's try to keep keep the mood. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I felt like a just a, an idiot. With chill headlight buffer. Yep, <laughs> some good old Plast X is what I used to buff. <sighs> Now it's time to figure out how the hell I'm going to open this damn show. <laughs> All right. Turn off the music. Let me. Yeah, I posted it in your discord, but I'm like, I don't think anyone's going to show up because everyone that has questions have probably already asked you in the server. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know my discord. <laughs> like they might. They still might. But I agree. It's not the audience that might be as curious as other people. All right. Let me get a couple things out of the way. All right. Ready? Absolutely. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Happy Dude here. And uh, this is going to be a weird one because it is completely out of the blue, not in my wheelhouse at all. I would like to welcome my guest, Greg, from YouTube. Get the Greg Games. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic. I'm really happy that you're having me on here to have this chat today. 
Um, one of the first things that I, that I came across your your uh, conversation with uh, uh, Carl Carl Jobs after the whole uh, Wada uh, thing. It wasn't golden auction. It was yeah heritage. The whole yeah, heritage yeah. Carl and yeah. Um, what kind of inform like I understand that when reading something you have to take take information with a huge grain of salt. But there was enough receipts attached to that. Uh, when you went into the interview, was there some things that you like just by watching the video you knew were facts about the whole Wada heritage situation? Like it's stuff I already knew prior to watching Carl's. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. Was there was there anything going into it that you knew to be a hundred percent fact? Yeah. Um. <laughs> for a lot of the people already operating in the sealed and grading world, a lot of what Carl presented wasn't brand new information. It's stuff that we have been dealing with, navigating, putting up with, how, whatever word or phrase you want to use for it. A lot of the people are, are and were already aware of a lot of the stuff Carl presented. He did bring some new stuff to the table, and I'm glad that he brought it out for everyone to be on the same page about the stuff. But yeah, that, that was the world. Was there uh, was there anything that that you like? Obviously, you've got like I'm trying to think of the, the right right way to word this, but mm -hmm. uh, you, you have you went through Wada before for grading? I did back in 2019, and that was the last time I have. And that that has to do with like their backlog stuff. That has to do with issues with their casings not being great. I'm sending from Canada. So it creates other issues where let's say their casing isn't good, or I have an issue with the label or something, sending it back and forth through customs just increases the risk so much that I didn't want to deal with grading any kind of personal stuff until it kind of got more sorted and all put together. I'm still kind of waiting for that. So when when I first joined your channel and I basically asked you, uh, why do you grade? Uh, like, why do you get stuff graded? And it was, it was, uh, preservation first mm -hmm. off. Um, was there anything like when you started sitting in your stuff to be graded, at what point did you realize that this complete inbox or this factory sealed, uh, game, which was meant to be played went meant to be cracked and, and messed with, at what point do you realize that there was a lot of money in in that object after it got graded? Um, you realize first, like, you know, back in 20, let's say 11, I kind of got into sealed collecting and researching it since 2009, 2010. You realize that there is money in sealed collecting regardless of graded. Like you see the premiums that exist on it the grading part just kind of comes afterwards to add that extra layer of objectification as best as you can, right? No grading is 100% accurate, consistent, whatever, but you add on that third party opinion to where you can then sell it to someone who doesn't want to put up with all the time and bullshit, who maybe wants to have an item that is in whatever condition, right? Really picky or pristine or investable, speculative, whatever they want to do with it. You now have an item that they can be pretty confident is in the condition that is stated, which if you're dealing with investment pieces, you need that truly special, um, stupid level of particularity and condition. So it starts with, for myself, right? Long time ago, sealed games obviously had premiums. You see that. And for myself, I just sent off a lot of stuff to grade for personal collection. 
to begin with. It just it was awesome. It was fun. Uh, what was the first game you got graded? My first game I got graded was an entire submission. So I had been buying up sealed games for a little bit already. And then finally I was like, awesome. I'm going to try out this whole VGA thing and see how my games stack up. Because you obviously have an idea of your game's condition. And then it's like, okay, well, what does VGA actually think? What does the grader think? What is this third-party scale all about? So I sent in about 12 to 15 games on my first submission. And I really did choose things where I was like, I didn't want anything lower than 85 plus. I was very particular. I wanted to be confident that I myself could correlate to the actual scale being used by VGA. So I sent off a whole bunch of games. I remember in that submission, I think it's where I started my sealed and graded Dragon Ball Z collection. So there might've been Final Bout, Atari, and the um, other version of Final Bout in there on PS1, as well as Paper Mario N64, I remember. I was super excited about that one. And I wish I had it written down. I have so much stuff written down. You'll see on my channel. I don't have the first submission written down, unfortunately. So, but those are a few I remember from it. Do you, do you still have the Holy, like, the Holy Grail out of that first submission? The Paper Mario 90 would might be that consideration. But for me personally, it was the final bout original release PS1, which only got an 80 plus. And I, I knew it was going to, it has a rip on it. But that for me was really like just getting a factory sealed version of that game was so cool. So cool. <laughs> At what point would you buy a collection expecting it to be like 100% sealed only to find a rip? At what point would you consider that rip to be so bad you might as well just chalk it up and consider it a complete inbox at that point? Quite bad, honestly. I have a lot of really bad condition sealed items because it creates a kind of Schrodinger's box scenario where the contents inside, the condition of them, will never actually know the conditions inside, right? So my manual and cartridge, they are null. But if I'm just, say, checkbox collecting, I'm doing a full set, I can buy Quarterback Club 2000 on N64 factory sealed for 25 bucks. Maybe it has a rip, some crushing, but I know for a fact then that inside there's a fully complete version of that game. And when we're dealing with posters, registration cards, extra pamphlets, it just knocks it all off, even if the actual overall condition of the sealed game is kind of shitty overall. So I, I'm pretty lax about some games. You know what I mean? It's... It, it depends what I'm purchasing and, of course, how much I'm spending on it. You said in a video that the uh, uh, expansion pack for the uh, Nintendo Switch is going to cause a dip in uh, prices for the N64. Yep. Do you think that it would make a overall dip or just within the particular games uh, that are in the first set of the expansion pack? Because yeah, no, I, it's, go ahead. it's like go ahead. knowing that at any point in time, they can continuously add on to that catalog. Yeah, I I wish I would have fleshed out more. It's kind of that YouTube thing where, you know, the video is getting to be 10 minutes long. Most people are going to drop off anyway. So I, I am going to explain more about my rationale with that prediction because it's very mixed response. A lot of people say I'm clueless, right? So, <laughs> and if I end up being wrong on it, I'll fully eat that as well. That That's the fun of it, right? You put out the prediction, then you see how right or wrong you were. But so my big thing with that is these super popular player demand games where the actual inherent difficulty of acquisition is purely a price tag. They exist everywhere, right? If we're talking about the most common N64 games, Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, um, you know, we're going down that whole line of games where other than price tag, 
you will see them almost every game store you go to, et cetera, et cetera. And the actual price of the cartridges are very high relative to other cartridge prices in the library, excluding actual rare stuff that has difficulty to acquisition. So my big focus for that video is on these games that are going to be on. So the first nine, I believe it is, we're getting on the N64 expansion. Mm-hmm. My first is really focused on those ones and then other largely propped player demand games that do get added to this. That's where I think we're going to see a big downturn. Do you think that the, like we're, we're all expecting a, a, a retro crash uh, specifically yeah. because of the United States giving out money for COVID and all that other stuff and people having uh, all of a sudden a, a plethora of income to, to purchase what they would like. So it, do you think that like right as soon, like, cause, cause the world's opening up right now, not as fast mm-hmm. as everyone would want it to, but we're not going to mm-hmm. get into that. But do you see like within like a five, like let's say 2026, mm-hmm. could you, could you see the, the, the prices of uh, retro games as a whole, both graded and non-graded still being at the prices that they are now? Because we're seeing we're seeing a crash for uh, the uh, nine point eight Mario sixty four. We saw a crash in that last week, and uh, what was it? Mario Mario won the for, uh, the first printing. I think yep. it was that went for eight hundred thousand. Um, third or fourth? Yeah, but yeah, variants matter a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot when we're talking about the Marios. So we haven't really seen a one-to-one on the Marios yet. Like like the same way we did with Mario 64. Okay. But, uh, but do you see do you see that there could quite possibly be like a relapse in this? Because the bubble is bursting mm-hmm. and, and prices are dropping. But could you see them at some point in the future, like five, six, seven years from now, getting back up to these astronomical prices? Yes. But it's going to be catalyst driven, I think, because, you know, we're going through a boom cycle right now, obviously, right? And a huge catalyst for all of it was in Sealed World, Wada Games Heritage entered, blah, 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 blah. For cartridges complete in box, COVID happened, stay at home culture, free money, blah, blah, blah. So we saw these two huge catalysts to both of the markets that caused a boom cycle. Uh, I, I don't know if you follow Pokemon at all, right? The Logan Paul box opening and everything. Pokemon saw a massive catalyst on top of the COVID boom that led to, there you go. (laughs) That led to an almost instant drop in prices in the next three months after the whole, you know, wave of euphoria ended. So if we are going to see prices get back up there in the next five, five to 10 years, we do need to see sustained demand for sealed games first and foremost, which hopefully they do. I, I don't know, obviously, right? I have a lot of them. Hopefully people still care about them in five, 10 years. We'll see. And catalysts. So a catalyst in the future, it might be water releasing pop reports. That could do a lot to the market. It's going to get people talking and excited. It can be CGC entering into the market in a year or so. Or, you know, any number of unknown future occurrences that could either drive or collapse prices faster than they are. So right now, if we want to say there's a trend downwards, we will need to see something that breaks that. And it could naturally just happen where we have a little bit of a shift and it goes up, but any kind of actual boom cycle happening again would require another catalyst. That's kind of how I see it anyway. You you said that 
you know, auctions need to have pop- populated reports for the amounts of games that are being sent in. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be the chance that, you know, like, let's say if, like they said that there was only two 9.8, uh, a plus Mario 64s. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that that wasn't the same one going through twice? The games do have, um, UPC numbers on the back, essentially. So, oh, yeah, if you the can same, that. you can. So, I mean, the only thing would be if they cracked it out and put it in a new case, sure. But at that point, we are going down any line of thinking where, okay, well, what is real then, right? So, if we're going to assume what is, if anything, if it's real, we have to assume that these are different copies of the games going through. Hmm. Now, but, you. I remember, I remember you you were mentioning in a video of yours about how that there was so many different variants of a particular game. Mm-hmm. And one that I mentioned to you was the USA one of uh, uh, WWF No Mercy. Yeah. As current, like last time I checked, it was 400 and something bucks right now. Loose. Crazy. Crazy. Has there been something that you would try to go for as far as the rated market, as far as variants go, that is basically like your needle in the haystack? Like just like weird stuff, you mean? Like getting a the weirdest, more esoteric- the weirdest shit you can find. <laughs> I mean, I often do grab niche stuff when I do do graded and sealed collecting. Um, I hopped into GBA really early on because I love the console buying games. Like, I mean, now right, they have a little bit of love, but like Jet Grind Radio back in 2015 on GBA, no one gave a shit about that game. I think I picked up for 30 bucks sealed. Um, you know, <laughs> so I guess it just depends what kind of direction you want to go. I was a full set collector for a long time. I looked at doing NES full set. I never finished it. N64 full set. I'm almost done it. I have Virtual Boy full set. I looked at doing Game Gear full set. About halfway done on that. And GBA full set, which thank God I canceled it because the actual library of GBA is like 50% absolute shit. So... So, but when you, you know, so when you're exploring all these things, yeah, I dive down rabbit holes, which is why I know about the WWF um, minus one variant, right? Because I tracked all the color variants. I tracked all the not for resale cartridges on N64. I love diving into the nitty gritty shit and finding stuff that people might not care about. That is really interesting. Like I, like the uh, New Zealand variant of uh, Mario Kart for the Wii. I didn't even know that was a thing until I saw your, your unboxing video on it. I was like, I'm yeah. going to start paying attention to shit now. <laughs> That's what I mean, right? Like every day, even with however long you do this, you can learn new shit every day. Especially if you enter into a new console library. Like if I were to start collecting Nintendo Wii, I would be learning stuff every single day about it. It's so, it's just variants and stuff run so deep. We're still so unoptimized about what we actually know about variants, print runs, etc. that video game collecting is just so fun in that regard. <laughs> That's not gaming. That's just collecting side of things. Now, when you get, when you get v- different variants graded, it, it won't matter on what it is that is inside the, the, the uh, graded case until you go sell it. Right. In what way do you mean? Sorry. Like let, let's take into account the uh, uh, New Zealand edition of uh, Mario Kart for the Wii because that's the okay. only one I know off off the top of my head. And let's okay. say you get it graded. No one's no one's going to care that it's a uh, Mario Kart Wii, but if they're looking for that specific one to like fill out a coll- uh, an international collection of a, of a particular game or something like that, that the uh, particular 
variant won't matter until you find a buyer to get to to sell it to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more niche and esoteric you go down those roads, it, it, they become passion projects. I don't really recommend going down those types of roads if you're, you know, into reselling, making money. If you want to go that route, stick with the more mainstream stuff in most instances anyway. What was the, like, like, do you have a story about, like you, you said that on a couple of occasions in your unbox videos that you buy these large collections in order to get the games that you want and then sell to try to recoup some of the money. Absolutely. Is there anything that you've sold in the past that was a part of a collection that you instantly regretted and wish you got graded? <laughs> um, in the early days, there's a lot of stuff I wish I wouldn't have sold, but I was also working on such lower capital that if I wanted to keep doing what I was doing, which was like buying collections, buying bundles, buying lots, selling stuff, keeping stuff, it just gets to a breaking point of, yeah, I, I have to sell stuff. It's literally inevitable. So even, um, I don't know if you saw my story there about Brent's or Mark's collection I bought there of stuff where I instantly sold off the factory sealed GoldenEye 007. Very, very expensive game now. And I instantly sold it for 250 bucks, I think it was. Um, same with Player's Choice Super Mario World. Instantly sold it. 160 US I got for it. And, you know, <laughs> at the time, I need instant money back. So yeah. that's kind of all it is. Do I regret it? No, because at the time, you're making the best decision you possibly can with the information you have. So, yeah, I'd love to hold on to everything, but, you know, hindsight's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess hindsight is a motherfucker when you think about it. Yeah, <laughs> you like know. You you can't undo the past. However, if you came across the same situation again, you probably wouldn't do the same thing more than once. Yeah, you know, you I would pick a different order to sell things, let's put it. You know, even right now, I'm selling stuff that I think has less potential long-term because, again, I, I need money. But it's being more selective now, taking what you learn from past mistakes and hoping you do better next time. Is there... Hmm. Going back to the to the stuff that you've had graded, has mm -hmm. there has there been more than one time to where like you've you've had a situation where like you personally think like let's say you're looking at something that's like this is a nano with a A plus seal, you send it off and it has been like eight point five with like an A flat rating on it. Like how how do you go across it to where like you realize that you have your own opinion you mm -hmm. send it off you get an objective third-party opinion and it can cost you hundreds if not potentially thousands of dollars on an item absolutely so what do you tell yourself it's like do you, do you have those moments where it's like this is a 90 but i don't think it's gonna you know come back as it like how do you prepare yourself for something like that learning the scale like experience with the actual scale is the biggest thing you can do to prepare yourself. But as for if I've ever had a huge issue where I'm like, man, they, they, they fucked me. Right. That's kind of how people take it in card grading, game grading. The company fucked me. This is so much better. As for a situation like that, I've never had any egregious example. Um, most of my grading is through VGA. So the worst I've ever done is say, I think it's an 85 plus and it will come back an 80 or 80 plus, which is a full grade down or even three or two or three steps down the scale where I 
you know, okay, I missed something. I've also had opportunities or times that have happened where, okay, this is an 85, comes back a 90. Okay, cool, right? I guess I was being too harsh on it. So it, it, usually, usually, and I, I, writ, I wrote down all my stuff on my latest VGA submission. I sent off 22 games. I wrote down all my predictions. Once it comes back, I will go through it all and see how, you know, accurate I can be with the grading scale. So that'll be interesting for yourself and others, I'm sure, just to see. But um, yeah, it's not usually that I'm like, what's happening? I, you always are going to hear stories about it, of course, because, you know, so many people, it's a volume thing. People are human, blah, 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 whatever excuse you want to use. Grading is not a perfect science. It, it just is part of the game, unfortunately, fortunately, however you look at it. But yeah, I personally haven't had huge issues with how at least VGA has graded my stuff in the past. There was a moment that came up to where I think it was either, I think it was WADA that offered the the cleaning service. Mm -hmm. And then the gentleman came back with a uh, completely jacked up copy of Pokemon Red. And I, my heart shattered when I saw yeah. this. Um, how much of an, of like, how how much of it like is of the original uh case the seal the the whole nine yards how much does it affect for for having a security sticker on it like why why remove that when it was initially a part of the like the history or the, of the purchase or the initial owner of it where where they bought it from like why would you go ahead and get a cleaning service and then have the potential to have that happen to you yeah. And that is something that even does exist among sealed collectors too, where are stickers provenance? And yeah, some people agree that it is part of the history of the item and a part of the, like you said, the original, you know, the story of the item. Um, there's also the other side of the story where I appeal is a big part of it that even if it's not reflected in the grade itself, some people are going to argue I appeal versus you where Maybe it doesn't sell for a noticeable margin more, but maybe it sells easier. Or in some instances, on the actual scale, you might fall down. Like this is worst case scenario. You'll fall down from an A++ to an A+, or from a VGA 85 plus to an 85. So you're dealing with a, on VGA scale, you're dealing with a half rating down. On water scale, you're dealing with one seal rating down. So it's not a big deal. A lot of them won't even knock you down a scale, but it also is a lot of personal preference stuff where if the company's telling you they can do it safely and effectively, um, you know, if you don't want it on there, you go for it. What, what happened is just extremely unfortunate, but that's kind of the two sides of the of the sticker debate there. And then also going back to the, the, the topic of who's going to want to buy a graded game that you have uh in a case graded with a security sticker on it like who like you'd have to find that one person that would want that one particular security sticker on that one particular item in that grade and it like you might as well just put it up on a nerd shelf somewhere and just keep it there for a while because i don't think anyone would want to buy it after that like what's what happened to it like after what happened to ryan's copy of the red or what well, before and after so okay so it's trying to find someone who wants it in that condition after 
it got graded whether or not the uh, uh, after, after events of, of Ryan's uh, grading situation, like you might as well just keep it up there and just, yeah, that is probably going to stay in his personal collection. I assume as a uh, story piece, unfortunately, look how I got fucked over. I, that's what I mean. Right. You'll never forget <laughs> trying to look on the bright side of it. Um, you do weekly streams for uh, various auction sites on Tuesdays, right? Yes. And you do it on your YouTube channel. Yes. What was the most outrageous outgrievance, like mind fuck that you ever had that does not that is not revolving around uh, Mario in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> so, I, did you hear about Polka Park Nintendo Wii nine point eight A plus plus? Did you hear about that sale? No. Are you familiar with the game? Yes. Yeah. $23,000. <laughs> what, what do you say? <laughs> right? That has zero bearing in reality. What do you say? So that one for me was the biggest. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Park. For 23k. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's you know, part of the allure of tuning into the heritage auctions is every now and then there's just such a dose of stupidity that falls that it makes a really good conversation. A Bioshock Infinite on a smaller scale is another one. So Bioshock Infinite, right? Ten dollar game, twenty dollar game, even factory sealed, like tons of them out there. First print Bioshock, factory sealed, 20, 30 bucks. Um, a I don't even remember the grade. I don't even think it was a perfect grade copy. Uh, over a thousand dollars it sold for, you know, what do you, uh, and then eBay gets cleared out, right? Within minutes, eBay is cleared of copies because a new floor gets hit, right? Speculators all hit that, not a floor, sorry, a new stupidity gets hit where even if you now sell a copy for 80% less, that's still 200 bucks. And so the whole mania begins. It's ridiculous in a lot of ways. So basically, like, whenever a game hits a particular ceiling at an auction, you either have to be quick or you have to find someone that is very, very dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I'm saying that in the nicest way possible because, like, let, let's, like, my, my copy of uh, Mario, uh, Super Mario 64, it's loose. I love it yeah. to death. It is mine and it's going to stay mine. I bought it for $28. Good price. Then that 1.8 million hit on the sealed copy. Mm -hmm. My price of my, uh, my loose cartridge gets bumped up to like by, I think it was 22%. The day that the auction closed, my loose copy gets bumped up 22%. And I'm like, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm trying to, wrap my brain around the correlation between like loose games. And then you see the sealed copies of these games going for hundreds of thousands, if not, Oh, and very few instances, millions of dollars. And it's got an effect on my loose collection. Yeah. There's a, a completely irrational spillover effect there that should help itself in time. We we shouldn't see that, especially with loose cartridges. It just 
it's a it's a logical yeah i think like because of covid and i think i think there was a, a pokemon stadium xd uh graded uh that got sold i think it was two weeks ago at, like at the peak of pokemon xd since i bought it it was up to like 175 dollars loose when, when you say loose do you mean disc only or CID disc only. in that instance Okay, this only. Jesus. Um, I, th- I think the 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 only thing in my in my uh, uh, collection that got affected for it being complete in box was uh, uh, Tekken Hybrid Collector's Edition, which the box is up here, but the game is down here somewhere. <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, I don't I don't quite necessarily you know. It sh- it really shouldn't have that kind of effect. Um, but like if you could see like let, let's go into the speculator mode here okay. our tinfoil hats for a second yeah if you can see any consoles uh library going up in price in the graded market and i know it's solely depending on also the the, the the grade that it's given what do you think would be popular enough to start getting into as far as getting stuff graded. Like if you want to start entering into it and start making money type of thing. If, if we're like, if I'm starting completely from scratch, going into a market for, for sealed stuff to go get graded, potentially uh, uh, sell it at auction. Where should I start as far as a, li- uh, a console's library? I would personally, and I am to some degree looking, keeping my eyes open at all times just how I operate in the market. I don't want to try to lie to anyone, but PS3 and Nintendo DS. And I'd say these two consoles specifically because they, WADA has graded very, very few of them since um, inception. So PS3 and DS are still on VGA optimization. They have not hit, in some circumstances, they have hit certain auction houses that do offer VGA games, but getting that huge widespread investor speculator appeal, if we are to assume that it continues and prices happen or the history repeats itself, once PS3 and DS start hitting Heritage, start hitting Golden, start getting graded by WADA, I think the first to market copies of, you know, Uncharted just sold for a thousand bucks on Heritage a little while ago, Uncharted 3, or Uncharted 1, sorry. Um, you know, we might see games like the God of War series on PS3, Uncharted, Little Big Planet, these big major franchises explode in price, like we're seeing on 360, where we have Mass Effect, Gears of War, the most obvious um culprits, I guess. You know, it's funny because you don't even have to go niche into the library or dive deep or anything like that. You could just buy the or it has been that you could just buy the absolute most common, most obvious things, send them in for grading, and boom, make some money. Obviously, that level of of ease and stupidity, if you want to call it that, will end at some point. It already is slowing down tremendously. But I think PS3 and DS are right for that type of explosion. And prices are already climbing on a lot of these as people speculate in that same mindset. Would you lump the 360 in there as well? 360 is already graded by water. So I wouldn't. Good to know. 
Yeah. So 360, why I mentioned Gears of War, we've already seen Gears of War sell for $14,000. <laughs> and you know, I'm not sitting here defending those prices. I don't fucking get that either. Like even for me, that is just like, I, so if you want to try and replicate that, or if you think there's any hope of stupidity and that those kind of prices continuing, PS3 is the next one that's right for that type of price action. Hmm. But we are not uh, uh, certified investors by <laughs> yeah, any stretch exactly. of the imagination. If that happens to fail, even though I'm going to try it on at least one game, if not two, if it fails, it is not our fault. Exactly. We are if here anyone for puts any money in, you are on your own. I can tell you what I think all day. Once you start spending your money, you're on your own. We are here for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> Good catch. Um, like explain through the process of, of like, we, we understand, like we explained like what should get graded, what has been graded, what the process of like, uh, WADA and, uh, VGA, like we've, we've explained them in detail, but like from purchase of the game to getting it graded, to getting it back. Like what, like what are the steps that after you send it off, is there any type of communication with VGA or WADA to where it's like, okay, we have it. Okay. We're getting it. We're getting it graded. Okay. Like, do you, or do you, is it just like ship it off? And the only time that you, that you, uh, get any, like any confirmation is when you get it back. <laughs> VGA does leave you in the dark, unfortunately. Um, so you'll send your stuff off. You will receive an invoice. Right now, I think invoicing is taking like three to four weeks. So you'll get like a delivery confirmation. Then, you know, four weeks later, you'll get a invoice, pay us. And then how whatever speed you paid for, whether it's one month, three months, six months, 12 months, you'll get something telling you that it's all done. So my orders with VGA right now, I last heard from them in February. Otherwise, they're just sitting in their warehouse, wherever, you know, you hope they're safe. You hope everything's going fine and you'll receive an update eventually. WADA does have more modernized system where um, it's kind of like card grading where their system will show you like, okay, scanned. Okay, received. Okay, we're in um, picture taking. Okay, now we're in grading stage. Okay, we're post grading. So at least you know where your item is in the process but then you still have huge delays like post-grading. You might be sitting there for four weeks or in the pre-grading, you might sit there for three weeks and you don't know how long it will be, right? They have their estimates. The estimates are all behind, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of leap of faith when you <laughs> send your expensive stuff off and, you know, you put insurance on it. Now, when, when they, when, like, I only know that uh, WADA does this uh, I don't know if Golden has any ties with any grading companies as far as uh... Uh, they're owned by the same company. So Collector's Universe owns WADA, owns Golden, owns PSA. That's the umbrella. My brain hurts. <laughs> so, uh... yeah, the web is big, man. So at what point, like, do you have to ask yourself, like, because 
if memory serves me correctly, when you get something graded and they, they ask you for payment, you do have the option to put it on consignment to sell to, to, to basically sell uh, through an auction for the company to recoup their money. Plus you get, you, you obviously get some kickback to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point do you have to tell yourself that like, uh, I can get more money by selling it than I right right this minute than I could six months, twelve months, two to three years down the line. Like, like there's no way to speculate that far ahead on a particular item that you that that you have the option to just sell at right then. But like, have you had any of those Nostradamus moments to where like you actually? consigned with a uh, golden or uh heritage heritage thank you <laughs> so i did consign with heritage back in 2019 and everything you just said right there was unbeknownst to me during my first consignment so i submitted in a left bros mario bros 3 and a gloss sticker super mario bros both just complete in box so and I truly, truly believe that had I just taken them to eBay myself, I would have gotten more for them versus waiting for the consignment. But so I su- submitted them for consignment sometime, say, April. And my first game ended up in an auction in September, I believe. And then I saw payout from that in November-ish, October, November, sometime in there. And then my other game ended up in a November auction, and I saw payout sometime in December. So from April to December was my consignment period to me putting the games up and then getting paid. So it's like you said, where if you want to go that consignment route, you also do have to now speculate market conditions in potentially half a year, which anything can change in half a year. The the Carl Jobs video can come out. Like, let's say that actually did collapse the whole market. You'd feel like a fucking idiot if you were just waiting for consignment when you could have just sold it yourself on eBay uh, four months earlier. But there are instances, of course, where Heritage or Golden or an auction house will get you more money than you could net yourself. And it also has to do with your own um, ability, your own comfortability with selling games on eBay or any other site. How much reach do you personally have? Do you have an established eBay account? Can you sell a graded video game? Are you comfortable with a $10,000 transaction? So there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that. So I mean... That's what I mean, though, right? So you send yourself off for consignment to these companies. They handle all of that shit. You literally just sit back, pay your fees, and you'll get a check in five months. But yeah, there's there's a lot to consider with it. Absolutely. Now (laughs) now I'm debating on whether or not to to truly jump into it. (laughs) Like here's my thought process, and I want to see if you can if you can follow me on this for sure. Find a game that has been like, like has a variant of greatest hits on the mm-hmm. PS3. Mm-hmm. Try to buy the original run, or as close as you can to the original run as possible. Have it sealed, send it off to be graded. Cross my freaking fingers that it's at least a nine zero. Yes, that is basically your minimum, especially on like modern games. And hopefully they'll get to the point where they'll know get around to it and hope and pray that it holds almost a year later yes 
<laughs> because that, especially um and you know the fees on top of that so if you want your game back from wada in a um let's say a month basically is what it's taking now it's a 200 fee for warp zone service 200 bucks to get your game back in a month if you want to go down to an 85 tier you're going to be waiting somewhere between four and six months so even just the grading on top of you purchasing the sealed game you have to hope for the high grade and over justify a 200 or 85 dollar grading fee the economics are tough of it all <laughs> to do it and it's wado or vga or nothing as far as grading services in north america right yeah cgc hopefully in six months to a year wow sorry it's vga and wada leading the market there's also p1 grading which is pretty new trying to build an establishment here there's also um there's one other company. There's, there's a few other companies that will grade your shit, but if we're looking for market um, confidence and like the added liquidity, all that shit, VGA water. And I just want to, you know, be fair. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> I hope I'm not discouraging you too much. There is opportunity out there. It's just like, there's a lot of learning curve. Yeah, and especially when you go to someone who is basically a source of of all this information, like like okay, case in point, my friends, bless their hearts, Scrubverse podcast, like they they took the Carl Jobs interview or the the video, mm -hmm. and basically got into the situation to where it's like games are meant to be played, grading is pointless, blah 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 blah. Me, on the other hand, I'm open up to, to both ways. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm listening to like both sides of the story, but yet like, there's nothing I can say or do to, to well, there's nothing I can say to get these people to change their minds. So I'm going to try to eventually fucking do it <laughs> and prove that, that a $50 investment can quite possibly turn into at least double yeah yeah and you know and that is a lot of um the, the whole games are meant to be played has been being said since i've been doing it in 2010 that that rhetoric has always existed right people have always been against the graded sealed market because of the inherent use cases of games they're meant to be played okay cool great um then it kind of becomes this scapegoating, though, of water ruined the market. I can't afford anything because of them. I can't afford anything because of sealed collectors or anything else that you really want to um, point fingers at and blame for why your, what you can control, is bad. Instead of perhaps doing as much as you can to learn yourself, to control your own actions, to control your own narrative as to what you can do, to better your situation and maybe some people don't want to resell maybe some people don't want to support the grading maybe blah 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 right but there's a whole lot of market watching you can do you can become more savvy about variants you can pivot to other consoles it, you know there's so much just sitting and complaining about it all where it, it's become hard for me to even really listen to be kind of blunt about it it's just yes this, this is yes this exists yes this is a thing okay now what yeah, TJ Katsune and Chad was asking. You could just look at it as a high risk, high reward situation, which it's one hundred percent the the honest truth. 
It is. There's a lot of people, you know, we love to uh, talk about the headlines and the people who all make money. Every week on Heritage, we see people who graded something, consigned something, and fucking lose their money on it. When an Atari game sells for $79, that person didn't make money. When a game on PS2 sells for like 120 bucks, maybe they did, but odds are you're either breaking even or losing money on it. Especially time. If you don't even want to talk about time or money, I mean, you're losing a lot of time wasted on doing something like that and tying up your capital on trying it. So how much does opportunity cost matter to you? You know, there's uh, there's so much. There's uh, Yeah, markets are fun. <laughs> I enjoy all this shit. I, th- I threw it I threw it in as a as a question yesterday while I was at work, but what would what would happen to the market if they decided to have like because all that it boils down to is the preservation of uh, of gaming in general. So what I'm thinking about is quite possibly either VGA or WADA decides to do some grading. And I know TJ is going to hate me for this, but maybe um, graded arcade boards. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I don't want to say too much because it really is a world I know nothing about. So I don't want to pretend here and sit like, oh, yeah, arcade boards. I love those things. And those could definitely be graded. I don't know. But you're it's not unreasonable to think that a company, maybe VGA, maybe WADA, maybe a full other company, will see everything that has been caused by COVID and the whole collecting sphere and think that there is opportunity to grade arcade boards at some point. I don't know how well they display themselves. Again, I don't know much about it. If it's just, uh, is it just like kind of a PCB board, arcade boards? So I don't know if there would be a ton of demand for displaying them and stuff, but... You know, <laughs> now that the world is open to collectibles as an alternative asset and this whole mindset has been created, we might see anything. Actually, I just said, I just asked that question, even though it's a legit question, I just asked that to tilt TJ. He's he's the uh, residential arcade nerd out of <laughs> out of me and my group of friends. So, yeah, I, I don't want people. Uh, he, he says, I don't want to see people wanting printed circuit boards hanging on their walls. <laughs> that's what i mean it might be kind of weird i don't know though i don't know it'll be if you know in a lot of ways demand has to be um people need to be told what's cool to buy in a lot of ways so if there is a campaign or marketing or push or let's say gary v starts talking about arcade boards that shit will explode you know it's that easy when we have a catalyst that can push people in the direction to tell them what is cool or to tell them what to collect. It's just human nature. A lot of people, you know, need that first push and then we'll just go for it. Yeah. The, uh, like I've, I've figured out something. So, um, there, I used to work at a game shop when like straight out of high school. Okay. That had complete in box Neo Geo games. Wow. I'll keep you up to date on that one. <laughs> I don't. All that I know is that the store moved two buildings down the street, and then never heard from them again. So I got to figure out where the fuck they are to begin with, <laughs> and then go and nab yourself some Neo Geo. <laughs> That's another console where the barrier to entry was always so damn high. 
that I just never got into it. You know, I had a horseshoe up my ass one day and mo I made a video about this and posted it to YouTube and people like come at me on Twitter. It's like, this is real, but <laughs> I found a Neo Geo, um, one slot MVS that was a repurposed Midway arcade cabinet at the dumpster of my apartment complex. What the hell? <laughs> a friend of mine brought over a 256 and one. We played for three hours. He goes, what do you want for it? So it even worked. It was fully functional. All that we had to do was turn two, two knobs on the back of the CRT to line it up <laughs> and realized that the power switch was underneath uh, player one underneath the uh, uh, arcade uh, sticks. So it's like, as soon as we got that taken care of, he uh, like, I got way more than I put into it, <laughs> which was fucking elbow grease. And, uh, Maybe about thirty percent of my back. Yes, because don't lug that damn thing. Like ninety percent of the weight is all in that CRT. But you know, like like how most many years ago was that? Sorry, how many years ago? How many years ago? Yeah, how many years ago was that? <laughs> even better, even better. Right during the whole fucking boom, and it's insane, insane. Stuff's still out there. It'll always still be out there. It's like we were sitting there having a conversation. It's like, so you found this at the dumpster? I'm like, yeah. Oh, but it looks funny. He goes, I bet you someone's wife wanted him to get rid of it. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> what if he comes back for it? I don't know. $200? Shook hands, walked away. <laughs> Yeah, and done deal, right? Like you said, you put nothing into it. Like, done deal, get it away from you. It was $200 finder's fee. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing, right? When we talk about this whole reselling stuff, if sometimes if you can just take the quick and easy money, just get it and go. Like, you don't need to worry about maximizing every single transaction. And your time is valuable and your effort is valuable. And if you can just get the money and go, move on. And stuff like that sizable stuff just move it I, w I was sitting here i was like i could try to get this up in my room but no one in my family has a good enough back to pull it off <laughs> yeah it's, it's best as hell and it's like you have and that that's that the arcade market is like way way into its own thing and i'm just sitting there like the games that i want are cheap loose mm -hmm. However, in order to get everything like complete in box, which all the decals, which like the, uh, the, the the panels around the monitor, you're looking at easy four to five hundred dollars because no no arcade kept those kits. Well, yeah. they put it in the machine, but when arcade started to die, no one kept them. Which goes back into the whole thing about getting uh, NES, SNES, N64, uh, late era Genesis games. It's like no one kept the cardboard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what makes everything so fucking expensive <laughs> that yeah that that's the paradox of it right if we all kept it it wouldn't be expensive that 
That's how it works. I'm just still shocked that like a Sonic One went for over a thousand. Well, Sonic One sold for four hundred and thirty thousand just a little while ago. <laughs> I need to keep track of this shit so I don't get shocked. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. It. It's fun talking to someone who doesn't like live. You know what I mean? I, I live in such a bubble sometimes where we're all just like, oh yeah, okay, Sonic four hundred k, okay. It's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. That was on Golden Auctions, not on Heritage. And then the spillover effect onto Heritage Auctions the next week was a complete in box selling for twenty three hundred in nine point condition. Yeah, that, that's so. That's that's what I'm. That, that, that I don't understand. It's like people see these have like these auctions for like the Sonic one for 400 K, for example, they see these prices and they're like, Oh shit, I'm going to go you know, send mine in, get graded. And, but, but sometimes it's like, you said that the wait is so long, you can't speculate that 400,000 ceiling mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. to where like, uh, Whoever's whoever's next in line after that with the same condition, same rating, same steel, like, oh, you said the four hundred thousand was just complete in box. No, the four hundred thousand was sealed. Okay, so is, it's yeah. So it's like the the the, the nine point X sealed comes through, and then all of a sudden they get a fraction of that. Yeah. Well, they trickle it down to complete in box, right? That's how a lot of the speculation and it's just how a lot of the speculation goes. The sealed one is now so far you will not afford it. So, okay, I'll buy a nice graded complete box one. Is it a justifiable strategy? I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of collector demand because now they know the sealed one. You know, I'll never own a sealed Sonic one. I know that. So, okay, a nice complete box one would be pretty cool. Am I going to go out though and spend $2,000 on one right after a record sale? Fuck no. I'm going to wait and see what happens because <laughs> we're talking about two different levels of rarity of everything like the the sealed one and the complete box one are just two what prices also show that but still two thousand bucks for the complete one just seems a little bit crazy i wonder I what i wonder what the odds of someone sitting in like a uh a, a, a resealed uh uh rom hack of a x amount of game would be for like a pokemon game and i just wonder i just i'm just curious like if you send it in, is there potential for it just to be flat out turned down and sent back? Absolutely. A lot of people get rejected. You don't hear a lot about the rejection stories, of course, but yeah, a lot of stuff does get rejected and it's most prevalent with Y folds. So your PS2, GameCube, Wii, um, those consoles, especially the ones that don't have any kind of security strips on them. So GameCube, Wii, late release PS2. Those are the most heavily faked games where people will send them in for grading, thinking they're authentic, and get them back saying, like, nope, we suspect resale. That's the, what I've been seeing anyway. Those are the most likely suspects. What is it's like? So, whether or not that the person that sent it in was aware or yeah. not, okay. Yeah, you'll get rejected if they think there's any miss, you know, anything, anything wrong with it where they can't be certain that this is authentic. Hmm. So PS3 incomplete in box Neo Geo. That is that is <laughs> that's, that's that, where you're going to strike. That, that's where that's where I'm going to go in. Um, but Greg, thank you for 
for stopping by for the past hour and just sitting here shooting the shit. With oh, I can't believe it's been an hour already, man. Crazy. Yeah, it's like I, I can talk about this shit all night. Yeah, we we can continuously tilt TJ about how like <laughs> like I think that there should be a graded PCB market somewhere and just really <laughs> piss him off. If you got anything to plug, go ahead and uh oh unicorn unicorn for Magi actually joined. Uh, and we're <laughs> we're we're, we're we're about to wrap up. Sorry. You can Good to see you in here, Unicorn. But uh, we're we're just going to wrap up. You can check out the VODs here. And uh, Greg, if you got anything to plug? Absolutely. If you do want to know more about the sealed and graded market, if you just want information on anything related to that, market conditions. That's what I cover mostly on my YouTube channel at Get the Greg Games. Hopefully you come in and ask questions. I'm open to any skill level. I don't care. I'm. You have to ask questions in order to learn. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know anything more, if you want to come share opinions, come over to the YouTube channel. Like I came in with, with the mindset of, I know jack shit. I want to be educated. Help me. <laughs> Which led to this podcast. Yep. Uh, and I'm glad, you know, whether or not you agree with it all, I think it's worth... You know, so many people simply disregard everything, especially with the Carl video now, right? It, it's people can now turn off their minds and just be like, this is bullshit, this is fake, this is heritage scam, blah, 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 without knowing anything about the scales, the graded games, the rarity, anything to actually do with the um, collecting scene of sealed games, why they had value prior to Wada Games, why they had value back in 2013. Different amounts, obviously, but there is a whole world of sealed collecting that does exist outside of... Heritage auctions, WADA, and all the things we see. Obviously, we always have to pay attention to them because they affect our lives in such a great way, but there's just a nice little community just hanging out that, you know, has the same kind of passion as people who collect non-sealed games. Yep, and, uh, like, the first thing that I... With, like, the the picture of my complete in-box collection, all of a sudden, Greg goes, ooh, I spy Final Fantasy VIII, and I'm like, it's <laughs> not even my favorite, it's my only complete in-box! Yeah, and it's in right at the top. I, I recognize, like, I know good taste when I see it. That'll always be my, probably my favorite game of all time, honestly, which, like, I know that's controversial, but I just got hit with it at the perfect time. The perfect time. Uh, one of these <laughs> days. All right, for those who are watching live, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, Unicorn for Maggie. For Maggie? Formaggi. Jeez. Formaggi. Formaggi. There you go. Uh, TJ Kasune, uh, Unicorn, thank you for the follow on Twitch as well. For those who are interested in watching my back catalog of podcasts, you can go to youtube.com slash h2ahappydude. Make sure you drop a follow. Uh, wow. I've been in such a Twitch mindset. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel for more. Um, it has been almost a year to the month that I did my last one. So I'm just going to get back on the ball because I have been informed. Uh, I've been asked the question, what the fuck are you waiting for? So I'm back on content creation in some some way, shape, or form full-time. You can catch the audio podcast of this. It'll be up on October 5th. Uh, at uh, You can search for Happy Dude and Friends on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere that you catch your pods on. The video of this will be uploaded later tonight. So by the time you are hearing this, the video would always already be up. So go to my YouTube channel and check that out. And I will. Now you have 10 subs on YouTube. Thanks, Unicorn. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.